Thank you, Wendy, and to the rest of the worship team as well. Thank you. Hello, good morning again. Good morning again. Um, I don't know if you've heard that. Uh, you probably have heard this joke before. I thought, given John started with jokes, I might give the theme going, you know. Um, and someone asked a minister's wife, he asked her, she said, um, do you wake up grumpy in the mornings? And she says, no, I usually let him lie in bed. Um, and that may or may not be a true story. <laughs> but I'll leave that to your imagination. But we joke about that. But do you know, have you ever felt what it's like to just wake up in the morning and just it just doesn't feel right? Like nothing's happened, but you've just woken up and you just feel like, yeah, this doesn't feel like a good day. Or maybe you started the day and you felt quite like, oh, this feels like a fantastic day. But then at some point it just feels like, yeah, this day does not feel great. Something happens, someone happens, and we'll suddenly find ourselves drawn into a dark space. So last week we were thinking about not listening to the voices that draw us to those spaces, but what of when that advice is too late? What of when we're already in those dark spaces? How do we find our way back into the light? Today we're talking about worship and the role it plays in this. Let us pray. Let us pray. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshippers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now, I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day, the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. O oh God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones, they scoff, where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God.
Amen. I don't know about you, but one of the reasons I find myself drawn into those dark spaces is when I, when I look at a challenge that I'm facing or a challenge that somebody I love is facing and I, and I look at my ability to fix it and I think, I can't fix it. This is bigger than me. I can't actually deal with this problem. When I look at the Goliath in front of me, I look at Goliath's muscles, I look at mine, I think, no chance. No chance in this. It's a big struggle, especially when it's someone that you love who is going through something. And you look at that situation, you think, I can't change this, can I? I can't even do anything about it. And that just breaks our hearts and it easily draws us into those spaces of fear and feeling discouraged or feeling alone. And then that is where worship comes in. Because worship is that posture where we look away from ourselves and towards the God who is greater than us. And one of the first things that worship teaches us it reminds us of one fundamental truth. There is a Savior. It isn't you. There is a Savior. There is someone whose job it is to save the day. There's someone whose job it is to lift the burdens. There's someone whose job it is to bring healing and redemption. And you know what? It's not you. And the posture of worship, when we find ourselves in that space, it reminds us of who we are and who the Savior is. I was going to initially base this sermon on a story in Chronicles from one of the Judean kings, King Jehoshaphat. And he finds himself facing this big battle that is so much bigger than what he can cope with. And he says a prayer that most of us would have said at some point or have just uttered within ourselves at some point. He says, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But God, I'm looking to you for help. It is in that space that the spirit moves and a word comes to him that says, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. There's that sense that when we find ourselves in a space of worship, we receive that reminder that the fight is not your own. When I think that it is my fight it's for my family, for myself, for Alton Baptist Church, goodness me, when I think it is my fight, you have to do it, Andy, then I don't want to get out of bed. Even bed doesn't feel a safe space enough. It's like, is there anywhere safer than bed that I can be in? But when we are drawn into the place of worship, the Holy Spirit reminds us, he says, this is not your fight. It is God's fight. There is a savior, it is not you. And so the idea with worship, and I think many times when we think about worship, we usually think about singing. Because for a lot of us, that is where our focus is drawn 
back to the person of Jesus. But there are a lot of spaces that do that for us. So for some of us, it's walking in nature. For some of us, it's being with other Christians. For some of us, it's a quiet, contemplative space with the scripture. But it's important to know what that space is. What is that space that helps us to turn our eyes away from the giant and towards Jesus again? It's interesting that when David fights Goliath, David says something interesting there. He says, I noticed that recently, he says to Goliath, he says, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you. So David almost suggests it is God who is going to fight that fight. It is God who is going to defeat you. I'll just be there to finish up the job. And that's the reality for all the battles that we find ourselves in. It is God who does the fighting. And we are there to proclaim that God did it. And worship brings us back to that space of peace where we realize, okay, there is a savior, it is not me. But worship also helps us, helps to control the narrative of the story that we're in. And I wonder, in the story that you're in right now, who controls the narrative? You know, you have all those movies where you've got Samuel L. Jones with a deep voice telling you what's actually going. Is this Samuel L. Jones? It's him, isn't it? Samuel L. Jackson, but there's the other guy. He has an L. Some guy with a deep voice. Um, who does the narrative? Look, look him out. And he, and he tells you what's actually going on in the story. And what, what that means is that you see the story from his eyes. And I wonder who is controlling the narrative of the story in your life right now. Psalm 42 is interesting because it feels that it's the same psalm, it's the same person, but there are almost two narratives going on there. So he says in verse 9, O God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? They, their taunts break my bones, they scoff. Where is this God of yours? But then in verse 8, he says, But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to the God who gives me life. Same psalm, same situation, same person, two different narratives. One side, God is constantly pouring his unfailing love upon me. On another side, oh God, why have you forgotten me? I wonder who is controlling the narrative of our stories today. There's even a stronger psalm, a psalm from Asaph in Psalm 77. Listen to what he says. I don't know if you've ever felt the way that he's felt. He says, I cry out to God, yes, I shout, oh, that God would listen to me. 
When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with hands lifted towards heaven. But my soul was not comforted. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? I don't know if you've ever felt the way that Asa felt. Where it's like, has God stopped being God, basically? Has all the things that the scriptures say about who Jesus is, I'm not really feeling it right now. I remember early days speaking to um, a friend who used to go to the previous church, and he said, he said to me once, he said, you know, all this talk about this God of unfailing love, but, you know, I'm yet to meet him, he said. And I remember another lady, um, I gave her this book to read, because that's what you do as ministers, you give people books. Read this book, it'll make you wise. And um, I gave her this book to read, it's a great book. Um, I can't remember what the name is. Uh, <laughs> what is the name of the book? Um, oh no, anyway, Simulator. It's a great book by Dane Ortland. And I gave her this book, and, and when she returned it, she left a note in the book, and she said, Oh, it's nice to see how God, how nice God can be to others, she said. There are times in our journey where the giant is too loud and the night is too long. And it feels like, where is God? Where is the love? Where is the peace? Where is the joy? And there are a lot of, there's a lot of theology out there that exists because the night has been too long. And so who God is, is rewritten to fit the long night rather than the revelation of Jesus. And it is true that whenever the giant is so loud, that is all that we see. That is who is telling the story of our lives. But actually, things change, both for Asaph and the sons of Korah in Psalm 42. And this is where things change for them. He says, but then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. And at that point, the narrative of the psalm changes from as God changed to know God is good. God does do these things. The same happens in Psalm 42. It is when he says, I will remember you. That's the point when the story and the narrative begins to change. And in many ways, that is what worship does for us. When we take the posture of worship, when we come into that space, the Spirit of God reminds us again about who God is. You know, we could be on a journey where we are worrying about how things will turn out. And then you are in a gathering of God's people. 
And then they begin to sing, what a faithful God have I. And then suddenly something happens and you start to remember again. I think it was probably within the three years of the ministerial training and there was a Sunday when I was heading to church and I was walking and I, and I felt that God was moving too slowly. You know that feeling when you think, God, why are you moving so slowly? And I was heading to church that morning and, and I was like, oh, I'm so upset. I'm so upset with God. I'm not even going to sing today, I said. It's a, it's a problem when your pastor is coming to church and he said, I'm, I'm not even going to sing. And I was like, God, I'm not even going to sing. I'm just going to stay at the back and do it. I was really, I regressed to a five-year-old. I was really like, I was not happy. I was not happy. And I sat at the back of the church. I was doing the, the, the PA or the AV, putting the words up and sticking to my, my, my party line. I am not singing today, Lord. I am very upset. And we kept going through it. And then we came to the song, um, Waymaker. And then I heard people start singing. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. And before I knew it, I was singing. Singing those words, yes, it is true. Even when I do not feel it, even when I do not see it, I know that you are at work. And that is what the Spirit does for us. When we come to that space of worship, he reminds us what the truth is. Because the noise in the world can surround us with so much lies and draw us into the dark spaces of discouragement. And we need to remember again. We need to be reminded again. And so we have that wonderful space of worship where the Spirit does exactly that for us. Covered all that. And finally, a life of worship saves us. You have come to realize that we are saved. What saves us is God being present. That is what saves us. The moment that humanity was separated from God, everything that could go wrong went wrong. We are saved by God being present with us. Because God's presence is not a passive presence. It's not the, you know, we were having a conversation um, on Friday with Kate. We were talking about dogs. Shocking. And, and we were saying about how, well, I was talking about a dog that I had growing up as a child. And I was saying how, oh, you know, she knew, she always knew how to be with you when you were going through um, difficult times. That she wouldn't really do anything, but she just knew how to be there. And maybe sometimes we think that God operates pretty much like a puppy. That he doesn't really do anything. He just knows how to be there when you're going through a difficult time. But Jesus says about his father, he says, my father is always at work. So I am always at work. And it is that real presence of God that is with us. Not a passive presence, an active presence. 
When God wants to comfort his people, whenever they feel discouraged or sad, whether that was an individual or a nation, the message was always the same. Do not be afraid. I am with you. He always wanted his people to understand that his presence was enough to take away that fear because it wasn't an empty presence. It was true with Jesus. No one was ever in the presence of Jesus and stayed the way that they were. They always knew his healing, comforting, reassuring presence. And we are sure that God is with us. But the reality is that so many times, though he is there, we may not be alive to it. It is a theme that is repeated throughout the scripture of God's people being unaware of his presence because the world can be so busy and filled up with so much stuff. In worship, we are made aware. We come alive again to the fact that Jesus is with us. I was thinking about it the other day and I thought, isn't it strange how if, you, if you've had a good relationship with your mother, that no matter how old you get, if you feel sick, just knowing that your mom is there makes you feel better. She may not be able to do anything. She may not be a medical doctor. She may not be a prophetess. But if you had that good relationship with your mom, it's like, oh, I feel sick. I want my mom. It's like you, ne you never really grow out of that. And there's that comforting presence of coming alive to the fact that Jesus is with us. Because that is, a, that is another thing about worship. When we worship God, it's always a response to something that has been revealed to us about who God is. That is authentic worship. The Holy Spirit reveals something to us about God and at the core of our hearts, we respond to it. And the Holy Spirit reveals to us that Jesus is near. He's here. He's with you. And somehow, that just changes everything. The situation is the same. The challenges are the same. But we have changed somehow because we just come alive to the fact that Jesus is with us. And like I said, for, I know that for a number of people, that, that space is music, singing or having words sung over us. But that's not the only space where the Holy Spirit draws us into worship. We need to find what that space is. Because it is such an important grace that has been given to us in Jesus to find our way home. When we find ourselves stuck in the darkness of discouragement or anxiety or fear or loneliness, when we find ourselves stuck in the darkness and we're struggling to get out of it, we just need to turn, find a way to turn our eyes towards 
Jesus and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. They're the words of that song, isn't it? And I'm going to get the words wrong. But it's that turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look still in his wonderful face. And the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I wonder if you've ever known that peace in the middle of a storm, that joy in the middle of chaos, not because the situation changed, but because you just came alive again to the presence of Jesus with you. Worship is so important. The posture of worship, the reminder that there is a Savior, it is not me. There is a God who can carry these burdens there's a God who's responsible for saving the day. We don't have to go and buy a cape. Worship is a reminder of who God is, that he's faithful, that he's good, that we can trust in him. Worship helps us to come alive to his presence. In my own life, if I share a testimony from my own space, there was a season in my life where I couldn't escape the dark clouds. They were so heavy. I couldn't shift it. The darkness was all around. Every morning, waking up to darkness. Every evening, going to bed in darkness. And the darkness was heavy. And I felt like Asaph in, in the psalm saying, all, all night I call to God, but I feel no comfort. Has God slammed the door on compassion? And then one night, and then one night, I received this vision. And in the vision, I'm sat in a room, and there are all these dark shadows surrounding me, surrounding me, just whirling around me, and I cannot shift them. I'm trying to fight this dark shadows. I'm trying to fight them, but I can't. I don't have the strength. I don't have the power. I'm sinking, and the room's getting darker and darker. And then I start singing. I start singing. I start singing, my Jesus my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. And as I start singing, the shadows, they just start running. They just start fleeing. They just start running all over. And before I know it, the room is light. And I am praising God. And I discovered in that season of my life that that is not just a truth for the vision space. That is a truth for every day. That the darkness still knows the light that it cannot comprehend. That Jesus is our light. And the light of Christ will not stay hidden. We just need to find a way to reach for it again. We just need to start singing in the rain, as it says. 
You know, there's that other song by the Everly Brothers, Crying in the Rain. But we need to just start, switch it up and start singing in the rain. Because when we call on our Jesus, he will always be there. Because he's always there. We just need to come alive to it. So, here is medicine for the darkness from the scriptures. Worship God. Worship God in the midst of the storm. And watch the darkness flee. Amen. Amen. Invite the worship team to come back up.